Welcome to the Doodle Kisses podcast, an extension of doodlekisses.com. I'm your host, Adina Pearson. Doodlekisses.com is the social network for Labradoodle and Golden Doodle owners, wannabe owners, and the Doodle Curious. The goal of this podcast is to provide education, entertainment, and connect with our Doodle Kisses members on the topic of Labradoodles, Golden Doodles, and dogs in general. Today I'm speaking with Brianna Fretz, a dog groomer from Canada. She was the 2018 Up-and-Coming Groomer of the Year in Canada and also won the title Rising Star Best in Show in the U.S. We cover a lot of grooming topics, including whether you should tip your groomer, how to get your puppy used to grooming, how to prevent mats, the best way to comb or brush your doodle, how to communicate with your groomer so your doodle doesn't come back looking like a poodle, and more. Enjoy the episode. Brianna, thanks so much for being on the Doodle Kisses podcast. Hi, no problem at all. My pleasure. Where are you located? So I am in Oshawa, Ontario, which is about, to put it in perspective, um, about 45 minutes east of Toronto. Awesome. My husband is Canadian, but Albertan, so... I've never been further east than that. (laughs) Yeah, that's pretty West Coast. Uh, I've only been to Alberta like once, once or twice. So, yeah. So tell us your dog story. Did you grow up with dogs? Well, ever since I was young, I started asking my parents for a dog. It wasn't until I was about 12 that I finally convinced them that I would take on responsibility um, and care for her. And funny enough, she's still around. She's turning 15 soon. So she was my whole start into this whole entire huge world. She, so she's like a Bichon poodle mix. And she was my first dog. And I, like I said, I finally got my parents to like agree to let me own and take care of a dog. So. She was my real first start into this whole world. Of dogs or of grooming? Of both, to be honest. Um, Both dogs and grooming. Like, she was my start into grooming as well. She was, we were the kind of owners, we had no idea what coat care maintenance was. And we would get her groomed about once every three or four months. And she would come back bald. (laughs) shaved to the skin and and my dad would always say to the groomer can you leave her a little bit longer and the groomer was always like you don't brush your dog so no she's matted she can't be left long so we dealt with it and then around the age when she was about five is when I started grooming so I took over um and I actually the way I kind of got started into grooming was um, my mom, because I was still quite young. I was 12 when we got her. And then I finished high school and didn't really know what I wanted to do. I knew I loved dogs so much. I didn't think I was smart enough for like veterinary stuff. And to be honest, it didn't appeal to me because a lot of the times vets are working with dogs that are sedated. Um, it's very like technical, medical, mm-hmm. and I'm more of the creative type. So for me, the veterinary route of things wasn't really um, ideal. And then, so anyways, when I was almost done high school, my mom 
asked my, my dog's groomer where we took my dog, if I could come in for the day and just see what goes on. Not, not a day that my dog was there. Cause the groomer said, she'll go nuts. She <laughs> like the dog will go nuts. Don't, don't have her there that day. So I, I went in for a day when my dog wasn't there and I, I helped her bathe this tiny little Pomeranian and right off the bat. Um, and it was a, it was a great experience to like figure out what a daily grooming salon looks like. Like, is this something I can handle every day being in an environment like this? And, um, the groomer right away told me, she said, you have a natural like ability with pets and like, uh, told me she, she thought it was something I should pursue. So I, I decided to go for it after high school and I found like a dog grooming school about an hour away from me and, uh, just kind of went for it right after I graduated high school. Awesome. And you've been doing it ever since. Ever since. Yeah. Haven't stopped. (laughs) (laughs) So one of the top questions I get from people about grooming is, Mm -hmm. should you tip your groomer and should you, how much? And what if the groomer is also the owner of the grooming shop? Okay. So yeah, that's kind of a loaded question. I mean, (laughs) I think no matter what for a service, I look at it the same way, honestly, as like a hair, a hairdressing or hairstyling. Um, do you tip your hairdresser? Mm -hmm. You should, you should. Yeah. (laughs) If you want to be on their good list, you you'll tip them. And I just always, for me, like, even when it comes to my hairstylist, I based it upon like how many hours am I in the chair? And Mm -hmm. of course the, the total price at the end of the I say groom, but you know, (laughs) service. Um, so for me, I think definitely yes. And if you want to be that client that your groomer like calls when they have a cancellation or you want to be considered like a, a good client, I would definitely suggest tipping the amount. Honestly, I don't put pressure on my clients. Like tipping is if you can afford it, I would much rather, um, a client book in more frequently and not tip as much than for them to book in only once in a while and tip a great amount. You know, usually for a dog, like a small dog, um, if they're priced up, like I'm, I'm in Canada again in like Southern Ontario, if I'm charging 55 or 60 for a groom, I usually get a five or $10 tip. Uh, when it comes to doodles, like we're talking about, they are a large breed. They usually take me a few hours to groom and it's, it's hard work. And I, I do really appreciate tips. I, I always tell my clients, I don't ever expect it. It's very appreciated because it just kind of shows that they appreciate all the hard work. And to be honest, like hairdressers get tipped quite a good amount, but their clients sit still in a chair and don't ever try to bite them. They don't move. They sit still. So, you know, I, I, recommend basing it on what would you do for your hairstylist and Mm -hmm. and just to keep in mind how many hours your dog has been there um, or at least how many hours they've been worked on and then of course if they're the owner of the salon I know that varies too Um, when I used to work in a salon I got tipped very well Um, now that I'm the owner of my business some of them have dwindled um, a fair bit because they do think well you're getting a hundred percent that's not true. We have to put in so much cost for um, supplies like shampoo. Um, we pay our electricity to dry the dog, to maintain our equipment, like sharpening our blades, our scissors, and to also keep up our knowledge mm-hmm. uh, with seminars and to just make sure that we have the most high-end equipment that we can offer your dog 
in order to provide the best service. So I think you should still tip your, your groomer, even if they're the owner of the salon. I've talked to many salon owners. They usually tend to make less than their, than their commissioned groomers, than their employees. They tend to actually take home less. So mm-hmm. I, I'm a big fan of showing your gratitude through that. Like me, myself, when I go somewhere, whether it's a restaurant or like I said, to get my hair done, like I'm a fan of tipping. You're just, no matter what, if you give a decent tip, you're going to be on their good list. You're going to be on their call list if they have a cancellation. And I think groomers just really appreciate it when someone shows that they appreciate your work, not just through words, but through like a monetary yeah, absolutely. Because it is work. You can love your work and still, it's still the way you make money. So it sounds like an important courtesy to think about. And and it sounds like you're saying it doesn't have to be a specific percent, but do give a tip. Yeah, I think ultimately just give what you feel. Um, if you know your dog's a little difficult, maybe give a little more to show that you just appreciate their their time and energy yeah. they spend on the groom. Because yes, I was when you mentioned like, you know, when you go to your hairdresser, they don't have to wrangle you, right? They say, move your chin down and you move right. your chin down. Okay, so what's what's the most challenging grooming job you've had thinking about, you know, unruly dogs or just a totally matted coat? I thought about this question a little bit because it's a hard one to answer um, after doing this for like 10 years. Um, the one that really stands out in my mind was just this like severely matted husky, like hadn't been groomed in over a year. And it was a long coated husky. There are some short coated ones. This one was like a medium to long coated husky, which is just a lot more hair to deal with. And this dog had clumps just all over it. Mm. And the dog was very difficult because she just didn't get regular grooming. Um, so of course they're going to be more difficult to work with, but I had to muzzle her like almost the whole time just because she was so distraught and, and easily, easily went to a bite versus a warning. So Mm -hmm. for my safety, I, I did have to muzzle her and I use these lovely soft muzzles that have, they don't clamp the dog's mouth shut. They still allow them to pant and they just have like a mesh lining on the front. And I just prefer those over like the plastic ones. I just find it's more comfortable for the dog. And like I said, allows them to pant. Anyways, this Husky took me quite a few hours to get her fully groomed. The transformation was amazing. But um, I remembered when I was just finishing up the groom, I was literally just trimming her feet with thinners. It's like the most probably the easiest part of the groom. I wasn't even touching her foot, just my thinners, just around her foot. And thinners are a type of grooming shear that are just more natural looking. So I was just lightly trimming her feet and I kept the muzzle on just in case. And it had already been just such a process, such a long day. And I look at this as a very vindictive action that she gave me. She turned and, and like, literally I had my head down because I was trying, I was trimming her feet. And she just turned out of nowhere and went to bite the top of my head. And, oh. and I wasn't, I was I was not doing anything to upset her other than my thinners were just lightly touching her feet. Yeah. So for me, I would say that was one of the most challenging work-wise, emotionally, physically. She was a very large dog and it's stressful on me. Like, you know, I don't think a lot of owners realize like as the groomer, like when your dog isn't comfortable with grooming, it's not just uncomfortable for the dog. It's stressful on the groomer that is trying to keep them calm, keep them in a good headspace. And they just keep kind of 
you know, getting themselves worked up and whatever. And I, I feel like out of almost this vindictive and I, she's the only dog that's ever done that to me that when I was doing almost nothing to her, turned around and tried to grab the top of my head. And I had a bruise on the top of my head. Oh, Like I said, luckily she was wearing that soft muzzle. I didn't, yeah. I was injured, but it's, that was one thing that stood out to me in my mind. That was probably one of the most challenging was, and, and at the end of the whole process, and I felt so proud of the groom, I got her done. I knew groomers and after me that once I left that salon that tried to do that dog, they had to send her away. So it was like, I got her done. She looked really amazing. She was comfortable. Her nails were trimmed. She was, you know, all that matting was gone from her. And, and I got her done safely on both of our ends. Um, so I think that for me was one of the most challenging. But then at the end of it, when I tried to tell the owner how her dog does need more frequent grooming to prevent this sort of thing, she just brushed me off. And I think at the end of all of that, those hours of work, that was, I think, the most like heart-wrenching thing for me was for the owner to just be like, okay, thanks, bye. And like, and yeah. I was like, you don't even know what me and your dog just went <laughs> together. And, you know, it was a process. And anyways, I'm so proud of it. Got the dog done. You know, she was comfortable, happy. But it's just, for me, I think the most challenging grooms are not only when the dog is difficult and matted and this and that, but when the owner doesn't fully recognize what goes in behind it or, or the fact that I'm just mentioning that your dog needs more grooming just so that the dog is more comfortable. It's not for my sake. It's for your dog's sake, you know? Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. That would probably hit probably number one. <laughs> yeah. Sounds traumatic. Um, do you have a, do you have a favorite breed to groom? By far, yes. And this might ruffle some feathers on a doodle podcast, but my favorite <laughs> breed is a poodle. That's okay. I own a standard poodle, a toy poodle. They are by far my favorite breed to groom. But it's part of the reason I love doodles. They carry a lot of that DNA in them. So poodles is my ultimate. I, I compete with them. Like I, I travel around. Um, I do competitions over the U.S. and Canada with, especially with poodles. And I, I do a few other breeds as well. But poodles are just my ultimate all-time favorite. <laughs> it seems like they would offer more opportunity to do cool things because, you know, I've seen some of the creative sculpting and painting and... Mm -hmm. Yeah, there are so many, like, options for their haircuts. I don't really dabble in the creative side. I, that's a whole nother world. I, I tend to stick to the breed profile haircuts, but within that, there are so many options of hairstyles. So it's a great breed to, to play around with for that. Yeah. So what, you know, when you're thinking about the doodle, um, what do you wish doodle owners knew about their dog's coat or, or grooming in general? The one thing that I wish that every doodle owner knew is that we as groomers don't love shaving your dogs down. As much as I think a lot of doodle owners think that that's the easy route for grooming, anytime a groomer shaves a doodle, it's, it's for the best interest of the dog. So kind of that, the fact that we as groomers aren't out to just shave them naked. We're doing it out of the best interest. But also the other thing that I just would love for doodle owners to understand is that no matter what, your dog's breed profile in there is poodle. As much as, and I know this question will come up a little later, but as much as so many doodle owners don't want the, the poodle look, like there is poodle bred into your dog. 
So I think those would kind of be my two things that I would want doodle owners to know is that we're not just out to shave your dogs. And also that like there's poodle bread into there that, that contributes to their coat and, and how they look after grooming because so many doodle owners don't want that, that poodle look, but we'll, I'm sure we'll get into that a little later as well. Yeah. Yeah. So what, I have so many questions, so we're just going to take one at a time, but what can dog owners do to make the grooming process, like the professional grooming process easier on the dog and the groomer? to make it just flow better? You know, what are some of the things owners can do, maybe even from puppyhood? So the best thing that they can do right away and from puppyhood is to get their dog into a professional and to talk with that groomer. So every groomer will will have different um, recommendations and whatever, but the best thing you can do right away is to get them into a professional. Don't wait until that puppy is seven, eight, nine, ten 10 months before their first time seeing a groomer. This is a breed that will require grooming for their whole entire life. So the earlier that you can get them in and the smaller that they are, so before they've grown full size, the easier they are to train and to handle and like like I said even just their size getting them used to grooming in that sense with the professional however the things that you can do at home I always recommend all my clients to have a space somewhere in their home whether it's a little ottoman if they have or like a a, a small side table well, maybe not small side table for a doodle, maybe a larger one, some sort of surface that you can have for the dog that you practice your daily grooming, whether that's daily or every other day or at least once a week to have your dog go up on that space. And I always recommend buying them. You can buy a cheap yoga mat and cut it to the size of the dog. So put that yoga mat up there wherever you want them to stand, train them on that space, not to sit, not to lay down, like stand during the grooming. Cause that will help your groomer so much. It will save their back. Cause so many dogs just think I'm only a good dog when I sit. Cause that's the first thing owners train is sit, sit, sit. So sometimes we get them on the table. All they want to do is sit and it, it ends up becoming a backbreaking process, just getting the dog to stand. So have an area that you put out your yoga mat, they stand while you brush them. And the one thing I would really recommend, of course, brushing all over the dog thoroughly, but especially focusing on things like the paws, the face, holding on to their face, like their little beard, chin hair, hold on to that while you brush, just get them used to that. That will significantly set your dog up for success, I believe. I've had a lot of puppy owners do it, and I can always tell the difference of the puppy owners that do it, even if it's just weekly, but like if they can do it a couple times a week, it really just puts this dog in this mind frame that this is my life. Like I don't maybe love it right off the bat. Like they might struggle a little bit. They might try to jump off. They might try to sit a lot. But the just the more frequency that you do that schedule on, the more the dog realizes this is just a part of life and it's not torture. So I always, always ask my clients to buy a little space, uh, a little yoga mat for your dog, cut it to whatever size you want. It's, of course, then they won't slip. They won't feel nervous on that spot for the Mm -hmm. first I mean, maybe at first they might for a little bit, but over time with that extra grip and everything, and it also just helps support their paws. So I would suggest buying that and just going through your dog at least once a week, if not two or three times a week, just to set them up for 
proper success. It makes such a difference to have a dog on a raised surface because if you're trying to like wrestle with it on the floor, it's kind of a recipe for disaster. That's one of the biggest things I tell my clients because they say, well, you know, sometimes we'll be laying on the couch or they're on the bed and I try to get the brush out and I'm like, no, step one. And I say it, you know, nicely, but step one, no, (laughs) not on the couch, not on the bed. That's, that's relaxing time. And I think each dog deserves their comfortable, relaxed places. When you want to groom them, it should be okay on your spot, on your mat, and then a thorough brush through. And I, I've even told to some clients, like, if your dog can only handle one leg being brushed out, a, out at a time, then do that. If, but do that full area. Like, if it's one leg that they can handle, do that one leg and make sure it's completely brushed and combed out. You don't have to do your whole entire dog. But whatever you set out to do on your dog, finish it. I don't like my owners to let their dog off just when the dog feels like they're done. Mm-hmm. You know, whatever you set out to do, whether it's one leg or two legs or their body or their face or maybe their face and their tail, um, make a plan and, and set out to do it because at least that way, you know, when you're done and your dog isn't telling you, okay, I'm done. You know, right. it, it, it kind of puts the owner back in control because so many dogs, you know, I'll get in the salon and, and they decide when they're done. And it's like, no, no, we're not done yet. Yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And, you know, when you decide if your dog hates grooming, decide about a small area, don't set this high expectation to be able to complete. I've always had doodles that were first generation. So they labradoodles. And so they typically shed and didn't require too much grooming. Yeah. At the time of this recording, I've got a foster Bernie doodle and his coat is long and luscious and gorgeous. And I just washed him for the first time. And I'm pretty sure I probably created mats in the washing. Do you have any tips for washing a full coated doodle so that you're not adding mats? Yeah, adding mats. So no matter what, um, what's important to keep in mind, anytime you add water to a coat, if there is pre-existing matting or even tiny, tiny little knots, the water actually tightens it. Or I should say, if the if that dries, so when you're done bathing them, once that dries, the water actually shrinks and tightens it. So a lot of people think by by giving their dog frequent baths, they're um, helping with the grooming. The thing is, is that most groomers would rather tell you to just brush your dog instead of bathing. Because like I said, that bathing just creates these like concrete-like mats. So the best thing you can do as I think a, a pet owner especially for those full-coated doodles that aren't so much like the labradoodles like you said you owned. The first generation, yeah. Yeah, the shedding doodles are a lot easier. Their coat isn't quite curly like a poodle. It's a bit more coarse. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mat up as much. But like the doodles and the, the golden doodles, the best thing I think you can do before the bath would be to thoroughly brush them all over. Try and get out any knots really focus on like between the toes, the little joints on their legs, anywhere where there's a lot of movement in your dog and like their tuck up, which is where their rear leg meets their body, those kind of areas. And of course their ears is a big one if they have long ears, brush those out before the bath. And then once you bathe them, when they're in the tub, I try not to recommend like doing, um, 
with your fingers, like scrunching the hair and mm-hmm. getting in there with your fingers. Do more of a full palmed motion to get them fully sudsed up. Cause when you get your fingers in there, sometimes it can create little knots. They're usually not too severe, but I just suggest more of a full palm motion in the tub. And then the one thing you can also do in the tub, I tend to take a slicker brush, which is those wire brushes. Mm-hmm. I tend to brush their face while it's wet and sudsy, especially if you're used to getting any of that gunk in their face. Like if the dog eats a raw diet and they get just some of that food buildup around their mouth, even if they're not on raw, if they're just a dog that tends to get into a lot of dirt and debris outside, I really like to take a slicker brush over their, their muzzle and a little bit almost coming up to their ears, like their cheekbones. It'll just get your dog so much cleaner without creating knots. You can also use the slicker on any other part of your dog while they're wet and sudsy in the tub. But I really just recommend it, especially for their face and then doing more of a full palmed motion in the tub so that you're not crinkling up the hair Mm -hmm. and getting them more matted. And then the other thing I would do, if you're not going to blow dry your dog, I I feel like that's a lot to ask for for a lot of people, especially with just a tiny little hair dryer on a doodle. Like that would take (laughs) hours and hours. So once they're dry or almost fully dry, just follow up that bath with with a slicker brush just to try and get out some of those tangles and, and a comb if they can do it, a metal comb following through just will help if there was any mat little knots or mats you'll find them with your comb and then you can work them out with your slicker yeah and so you mentioned the slicker and the comb are those kind of the top two brushes kind of things that you use yeah for for doodles and almost I would almost say any coat type of doodle whether they're labradoodle or golden doodle or the bernadoodle um the slicker and the comb a metal comb are your number one friend in order to maintain that long fluffy teddy bear look so what i always recommend first is going through your whole dog with the slicker brush and then following through it later with a metal comb and i tend to choose more of like a wide tooth comb like i wouldn't go for Definitely not like a flea comb. I think some people think that in their heads. That's hard work. (laughs) Yeah, not a flea comb. That's way too fine. I choose more of a wide tooth metal comb and comb through your whole entire dog, making sure that that comb is getting right down to their skin. And then if you come across a mat where your comb can't get through, that's time to get your slicker back out and work at it with all different angles, like kind of work at the mat going up into the side and down. And then once that's almost out, following through with your comb again to make sure that that little tangle is is gone. Mm-hmm. I know the, yeah. com- the comb that I have, um, on one end, it's wider teeth and on one end, it's like tighter teeth. And that I yeah. always like that I can go back and forth. Yeah, I love those. A lot of my combs have that dual, like usually my one quarter of the comb is fine and three quarters is, is wider. And I love that because you can... You can do some more fine work like between their toes. I would use those those fine teeth ones. Mm-hmm. Um, but mainly for their body and their legs, you can stick to the wide tooth comb. And if you're not getting any huge snags, then you're usually you're usually okay. Speaking of brushes. Have you heard of the Lay Pouche brush? It's one of the most popular brushes for doodle coats, and we give them away from time to time thanks to the generosity of our friends at the Doodle Country Store. 
recently one of our members named Deborah won a Lay Couche brush for her three doodles and she had nothing but great things to say about it. It goes through your dog's coat like butter. Visit doodlecountry.com to find grooming tools and other products for your dog. Doodle Country offers all varieties of the amazing Lay Pouche grooming brush, an essential tool for maintaining your doodle's coat. Lay Pouche bathing products, grooming tools, and many fun items are also available for your dog. Doodle Country offers free shipping in the USA on Lay Pouche brushes and on all orders of $45 or more. And now, exclusively for the Doodle Kisses podcast listeners, receive 10% off your order through the end of January 2020 by entering promo code DOODLE. That's promo code DOODLE for 10% off your entire order. Place your order online at doodlecountry.com. And now, back to the show. One of the questions I get, and we sort of touched upon it earlier, um, based on the fact that there's poodle in the doodle, a lot of people get really frustrated that they take their doodle to the groomer and that doodle comes back looking like a so-called poodle. Um, So how does someone explain to the groomer what they want so their doodle doesn't end up looking like a poodle? I think that, um, so I've definitely gotten this, um, request a lot. Don't doodle my poodle. And I think for, for the most part, for each owner, it varies. Um, and the best thing that I could tell you to communicate to your groomer would be to be specific. What part of it in your dog do you feel like when you're done the grooming that makes it look like a poodle? Is it is it what we call the top knot, which is the top of their head? If that thing's just a little too high and oval, that can very easily look very poodly. Um, a lot of my doodle owners, I tend to cut the top of their head a lot more square and flat. Um, I find that really takes away any poodly vibes um, with the haircut. Um, and then, of course, just leaving that fuller face um, tends to help, even though I don't like to leave a lot of chin hair on my dog because it gets messy Mm -hmm. um often a lot of that poodle look can come from just a very round top knot the other thing that i like to as soon as somebody tells me that they're worried that their dog is going to look like a poodle one of the things that i i do mention is that well your dog does contain some poodle in them so it's kind of there a little bit but one of the biggest things that i found with my clients is that it's the blow dry. It's all in the blow dry. So when your dog goes from their curly, shaggy self and they come in for a grooming, we take a little length off and we trim them up, but you then blow dry them. The blow dry is what creates a um, very straight coat. And if your dog is getting a proper blow dry for an even trim, the straighter you can get that hair, the more even of a trim you're going to get. So the thing is, for some clients, what I do, if they really just hate that straight coated blow dry, I actually take a a mister bottle of just water and after the groom, I fully mist them down and I wet them down a little bit. They're not sopping wet, just enough to kind of curl their hair back up. And I find for the most part that that's enough for most doodle owners. They just want that, that curl set back in. So I, I actually call it like resetting their curls. Like I can do that. It, it'll cost a little bit more just because it takes more time to re-wet them and then re-dry them. Uh, and I just usually let them more so air dry or I'll take my blow dryer a little bit over them. But it does take a little more time 
and it's kind of just that styling aspect. So it can be that, it can be the blow dry, the top of the head, or if you just feel like your dog looks a little bit too finished. And by that, what I mean is like a little too sculpted. Mm-hmm. Everything, everything's almost a little too perfect. You can, you can ask your groomer and it can be hard for some of us that, that strive for perfection, but, um, <laughs> you, you can ask them. I've had, I had one groomer friend who, um, a doodle owner actually walked in when she wasn't quite done the haircut yet. And they said, Oh my God, stop. They said, stop right there. That looks perfect. And all she had done was, well, she had fully bathed and blow dried him, done the haircut, but hadn't yet gone over him with scissors. So it left the groom. So she used clip combs on the dog. So when we use a clipper for a longer length, we'll attach like a clip comb, Mm -hmm. which just sets Mm -hmm. the length longer. And she went over the dog with just her clip comb, but hadn't yet combed it and gone over with her scissors and they loved it. And I think for a lot of doodle owners, that's kind of what they're looking for is more of the just natural, that natural look, not so much a finished, perfect, completely sculpted look. Right. And I, I totally, I totally get it. And, and in me, it's, it's hard to do, but I, I do it for a few of my doodle owners where we don't, we don't do a perfect finish on the dog. And then I reset their curls with just some, a Mr. Bottle and some water. And I've had even doodle owners in the past just tell me, you know, they, they look a little poodly, but they're like, you know, it'll rain or they'll be out in the weather and it'll curl back up. So some people understand that a lot of it comes from that blow dry. But in order to do that, part of the reason, you know, you could think, well, why don't you just let my dog air dry or, or dry them in a kennel where they're... I'm wondering about that too, only as a curly haired person who never dries her hair. Yeah. So there's, there's a really good answer to that. And it's the reason that a lot of us need to do that forceful blow dry. We use a high velocity dryer. A lot of doodles come into us matted. That's just a universal thing. Every groomer struggles with dogs coming in too matted. That, that high velocity dryer actually spreads those mats apart. So the reason that a lot of groomers take the velocity dryer to the dog, not only just to get them dry, but also it, it will spread those mats apart that, so that we can get a slightly longer length through your dog. So when, when I have an owner come to me and their dog, their doodle is matted and, and they want me to save a, as much hair as I can, what I usually end up having to do is spraying some conditioner spray into those mats and then velocity drying them. And they actually spread apart and they look kind of like a spider web spreading. Mm-hmm. So the dryer is a tool that's not only just used to get dogs dry. It's also used to help spread matting apart that can, um, that can help us get a longer length on the dog. Mm-hmm. So it's like, it's kind of one of two options. It's like, you know, I could pre-shave your dog and by the, I mean, we can get longer lengths through them sometimes, but depending on how matted they are, if I were to pre-shave them, chances are I'd have to take them shorter than if I were to actually fully blow dry them, I'd probably be able to get a longer length through them. Mm-hmm. So that's usually what I tend to do for my doodles is bathe and blow dry them without touching them beforehand. And then after that, blow drying them, getting those mats to spread apart a little bit more so that I can get the longest length through them to hopefully make the owner happy. And then if they really hate that blow dried look, I'll take um, some water and just try and reset the curls. So that's usually why we blow dry them 
without you know letting them just air dry it's it's actually so that we can just save a bit of length on the dog so that hopefully we can make the owner happier with the length mm-hmm. that we have to take their dog to okay and so since one of the reasons that you might have to cut a dog short also is because of mats mm-hmm. um is there any specific way to prevent mats other than just regular brushing and combing is there a certain way to brush the hair i've heard of something called line brushing or line combing yeah Maybe you can say a few words about that yeah line brushing and line combing is by far the best way to keep your dog long and basically what that concept is so let's say your dog was standing up and you start from the base of the foot and i would take my hand around that dog's leg kind of in like um like just gripping around their their bones and and then just working up and sliding up as i brush and what you'll see is a line of skin as you go up so as you continue to move up the dog's leg you'll see a line of hair. And if you're getting all the way down to the skin with your slicker and with your comb following after, so usually I would suggest going through it first with your slicker. And then once you've done that, following doing the exact same routine up with your comb, and you'll see a line of skin the whole way up. So that can tell you that you're, first of all, getting right down to the skin. And then secondly, when you follow through with the comb and your comb's getting all the way down to the skin, that's when then you'll know that there isn't any huge mats. If you can't see your dog's skin, that's when it's a problem. Mm-hmm. So always being able to see that. And that's the whole concept behind line brushing. And you can do it all over your dog. I do it around, like on their back the same way. I'll kind of put my hand just in a, in a palm with my palm and just following up the dog's back and doing the same thing, just making sure I can see their skin. Okay. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. I think I've tried that before. I I forget to start at the bottom though. And then you're like, wait, <laughs> I'm running yeah. into myself. And that's one of the big reasons that I suggest like putting your dog up on something, even if it requires you. I've, I have some clients that have actually bought folding grooming tables from like a pet supply or a grooming supply place because it's honestly just easier when your dog knows this is where I go to get brushed and, and they're up in your, so that you're not hunched over the whole time and, or trying to fight with them when they're curled up on the couch and you can't fully get them. If they're standing, it's so much easier to follow their leg up for line brushing. So that's one of the big reasons I really recommend putting your dog up on something that they're comfortable on, that they know is their grooming spot. And so besides the risk of having to be shaved, you know, what's the problem with mats? The problem with mats, that's that's a huge question. Other than the fact that your dog might have to be bald, there are so many health problems that can come behind matting. And I think for groomers, that's one of the frustrating things that I think we all struggle with when an owner doesn't realize the severity behind a neglected coat. And I know that's a harsh word to use, but if your dog isn't getting groomed or brushed regularly, um, especially a breed like a doodle that really does require it. Behind those mattings can be, first of all, if your dog is in a season where they're going in the water a lot, like in the summer, spring, fall, and they're going in and out of a lake or a pool, mats stay damp way longer than than a brushed out coat. So when when there's a mat in the coat, that mat stays wet for way longer. So that hair can sometimes 
create hot spots, can create skin issues. So that's a big concern is what lies beneath the matting. And then, I mean, there have been some cases that can go as far as I think, I think most dog owners have seen the horror stories behind severely neglected matted dogs where they can actually lose a limb. So matting can get so tight. I've seen a lot of videos with homeless dogs or whatever, where matting can get so tight, it can cut off blood flow to their limbs. And in return, they end up losing a limb from matting. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I've seen, I mean, not personally, I haven't had a dog come into me like, like that has lost a limb from matting, but matting can get so tight that it creates almost a cast around the dog's limb or ear or tail. And it can get so severe to the point where they they lose blood flow and that limb has been dead for far longer than they even realize. So that's the severe, severe cases Mm -hmm. of it. Probably not the average doodle owner's case, but it's good to know that this isn't just like a, a... aesthetic issue. Yeah, it's not just a beauty thing. It's and that's what groomers the the stance they take on it. It's it's a health thing. And like I said, even in those not severe cases, it's what's underneath the matting has that hair been wet for too long? Is there a hot spot? Is there and if you can't see your dog's skin, do they have fleas? Do they have ticks? Do they have, you know, right. all those other little things or like ringworm that you see on on skin, that sort of thing. So it's really important to see your dog's skin, I think, is the basis behind matting because yeah. so many things can hide behind it. I think that that's an important reminder that it's not just about aesthetics, the aesthetic side of grooming, yeah. but you can see if there's something happening to the skin. And I'm just amazed how thick the coat of this foster dog I've ha- I have is yes. compared to my early generation doodles. I mean, you really have to in there. Luckily, he seems to be in good, pretty good shape probably until I just washed him and like massaged all the mats into him. But yeah, I mean, you, you really are never going to see what's happening. You don't know if they're itching because of just everyday kind of itch or if there's something there. It's so true. Yeah. And that's, I think the, the biggest part of groomers behind trying to recommend frequent grooming. It's not just for beauty. It's for the health of the dog as well. Yeah. So let's um, talk about ear care because obviously dogs that have a lot of fur around the ears and fur growing in the ears have a higher chance of getting moisture trapped in there and ear. Mm -hmm. How do you, what do you recommend or what do you do as a groomer? And then what do you recommend owners do to keep that ear area healthy and clean? Yeah, so I know there's like a big debate between plucking and trimming the hair in their ears. Poodles usually get their ears plucked. However, a golden retriever or a lab, they don't. So when you have the mixed breed between them both or any other, like a burner or whatever, for example, I I like to fall somewhere along the middle of that line. Um, I try not to over pluck. It really depends on the dog. With with very poodly doodles, I, I'll pluck out a little bit of the hair, but I don't try to go overboard on it. So I usually tr- tend to trim and pluck equally as much. Um, I know even some vets have said even poodles shouldn't have their ears plucked. I think it's a little bit hard when you own like a very thick coated ear 
by thick coated, I mean in their ear, mm-hmm. um, dog, it's hard to say not to pluck. And we, you know, as groomers, we use like a powder that helps to loosen that ear hair and to make it come out a little bit easier. And for the most part, it's, it's quite painless, but I, I try to do somewhere in between. I don't like to over pluck, so I'll trim quite a bit of the hair. I think as long as normally you can look into that ear, it doesn't look inflamed or red or crazy dirty. I tend to do a little bit of plucking, trimming, and then swab it out with a cotton swab and some ear cleaner. And for me, for my doodles, even for my my own poodles, that has seemed to be the trick. Um, Not over plucking, just making sure those ears are clean and dry and one thing I always recommend all of my all of my doodles, um, I don't leave a lot of, when you open up that ear, the stuff that falls in front of it, I don't leave a lot of hair right by that ear canal. I like there to get some airflow. So I tend to trim that hair under their ear. When you open it up, the hair that kind of goes onto their cheekbone, I tend to trim that a little shorter just so they get airflow. Mm-hmm. And then I just, I like to do more of a combination of a little bit of plucking, but not, not too much. And then just trimming the rest of it and then just making sure their ear is clean. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've found that's usually best for my doodles. Like not a lot of them have ear infections or, or too much wax buildup. So that's what I tend to do. I do my own grooming most of the time, again, because my doodles shed. And although they get the occasional mat, it's not a big deal. But I tend to also kind of trim. Usually I use clippers, but I trim underneath the ear and the chin area and the neck a little bit shorter. Yeah. And that's what I think most doodles should get is a bit shorter under their ears and then under their chin as well. Yeah. Because yeah. they're little where their lips scrunch up, it's actually called a flu, F-L-E-W. And that area tends to build up a lot of like, it can be like yeast or, or just build up from their food. So I always think that those areas should be kept short as well because I've seen dogs come in with infections on their oh, bottom lip. It can get nasty there. My, my old Labradoodle Roscoe, he had a beard that was always wet, constantly wet. And un- right there by the lips, the flu, I guess, was constantly matted and had nasty smelling stuff in there. Boca, my F1 Labradoodle that's still around, she always has a dry beard. I don't know. She, her fur is yeah. thinner and lighter and never had a problem there. It's totally dog to dog. Like, um, you could have litter mates from the same mom and dad that one doodle has just the most messiest beard and one is a little more dry. It's, it's really dog to dog. And that's why, you know, it's, it's just important to know that no matter what your dog is an individual and they require, they require certain things, you know, one litter might, might need their ear plucked, plucked and one might not. So mm-hmm. it just really depends on the dog the individual. Yeah. The Bernie, the Bernie doodle foster I have now, not only is his chin hair constantly wet, but his scruff, what's that called on his neck? I don't know. His neck fur. Yeah. That's constantly wet because he just like, he likes to drink from the bucket outside that we have outside and it (sighs) dribbles down everywhere. He's just a messy boy. (laughs) Above his shoulders without having, getting wet. So I can, I think that if I, if I end up taking him to a groomer, I'm going to have that really cut. I always think that hair under their, under their chin, I think, well, it's their throat latch, like 
So they have their chin and their throat latch. And I always, I personally, on my pet dogs that come in, I always take that hair shorter because I just don't think it needs to be long. Because mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> it'll just get matted and like wet and drippy. And, and if you take that short, it doesn't take away from their body coat. Like it doesn't. But it's so cute to have that, <laughs> to have the beard. That's the I know, answer. I know. So many people love it, but it just, it depends on how messy the dog is, I think. Yeah. You know. And Bernese have that scruff that's really thick in the front. Yes. And that really is a crazy piece of fur with the doodle. <laughs> I have some like Bernadoodles that come in and they, I could trim them the same length all over, but no matter what, that hair around their whole, like, like the back of their neck and following under their chin just grows more. Like it's their <laughs> mane, like that yeah. fluff. It just grows faster and longer than all the other hair. I have one client, we joke about it. I'm like, I swear I trimmed it to the same length as we did like all over, but it always just grows longer. Funny dogs. I have a question here from a listener. Um, it's, it's more of a statement, but maybe you can speak to it. My dog can't be shaved too close or he gets hot spots that take forever to heal. Can you talk a little bit about that and how shaving may or may not be bothersome to skin? Yeah, I, I definitely have a few owners here and there that have dogs with just more sensitive skin that no matter what any area, especially like in their groin, their bum and their paws, that sort of thing. When you do shave it a little closer, they tend to just pay more attention to it by licking or scratching or whatever it is. And in turn, that usually turns into a hot spot on their Mm -hmm. skin. The best thing that I can advise to like prevent that would be possibly a little bit more frequent grooming if because the thing is if the dog is matted in their groin or around their bum we can't brush i i would never brush out a dog's groin area it's mm-hmm. far too sensitive it yeah. just needs to be clipped out so depending on that listener how often she gets her dog groomed i just recommend the more frequent that you do it the tougher the skin will get so my my own for example my own standard poodle I can shave his his whole groin, his bum, and his feet. He gets like a number 30 or 40 blade in reverse, which is quite short. A vet uses a, a 50 blade. So that's mm. a surgical. A surgical blade is a number 50. We as groomers, well, for me on my competition dogs, I use a 30 or 40. I don't use that on my pets. They mm-hmm. get about a 10 or a 15 in that area. However, the the more often that you do that, it toughens up the skin. It's almost the same with ours. The more often like you shave something, the, the less ingrown hairs or irritation you're going to get from it. So I always first recommend um, more frequent grooming. The second thing I usually try to ask my clients to do if their dog is prone to itching is if you know they're going to go crazy after an area or add an area after grooming, I recommend like if they need a cone for the first day, they need a cone. Anything to just kind of keep them from bothering that area. I think the other thing you can do is is talk to your groomer. Like all of my my clients know they have open communication with me and and I want to know what's going on with their dog after grooming. So if they text me or they call me and say, hey, they're just kind of, they won't stop obsessing about this area. I usually recommend a cone if they have it, if they don't, a zinc cream, like a diaper rash cream or mm-hmm. any sort of, there's also, I don't know if you guys 
like have it. Are you in the U.S.? Yes. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know for sure if it's in the U.S., but I, I recommend Dr. Maggie's ointment. It's a skin ointment. It's like a polysporin for dogs. Oh, okay. So something like that, if there's an area that heats up or, or gets inflamed after grooming and you know it's going to happen, I recommend having something like that on hand that you know you can just put on right away to, to put away the itch so that the dog isn't going to go nuts after it, after the grooming. And then another thing you can do, I have a few clients that that request a bit of a longer length within the groin or their bum area. Any area the dog tends to obsess after the grooming. Yeah. So talking to your groomer, like definitely let them know, like let your groomer know if the dog has a sensitive area, definitely let them know they can hopefully use a longer length. However, like I said, if the dog is pelted matted under there, like we have to do what we have to do, bottom line, to get the dog healthy. So a longer length, having cream available for your dog. Like I said, I've, I've recommended many times like a diaper rash cream, which is just zinc cream. Like you don't want the dog to lick it. Like it's not necessarily a lickable cream, which is why I like to recommend the Dr. Maggie's skin ointment. It is safe for them to lick. However, I still just always suggest, just don't let your dog lick it. Try not to, you know, it's, it's just the more they obsess over it, the more that they will um, irritate it. So another great thing you can do if your dog does get kind of obsessive after a groom about a certain area, have some sort of special occasion treat, whether that's some sort of smoked bone that they can just chew at for a few hours especially if they have to get shaved right down and they're feeling a little, a little just different all over, a little sensitive to just have like a nice, really enticing treat for them that they can focus on for a few hours and just get their mind off any sort of itching. Kind of honestly, a combination of all those things is, is a great thing. <laughs> Thank you. Now we're running short on time, so, but I have a lot of questions left. Yeah, sorry. We do like a, it's okay. We, I love this. We could do a rapid fire, you know, like sure, yeah. sentence answer, and then maybe they can email you or ask you yeah, on Instagram yeah, or something ahead. like that. Okay. Let me see which order to go here. Um, is it a good idea to cut the hair short between the paw pads and why in the short answer version? <laughs> yes, because in between your dog's paw pads, if you don't get that hair cut short, it will it will mat up and create almost like rocks between their pads. So yes, they do need that short. Not necessarily on the tops of their feet, but on the bottoms, yes. Okay. Is there any way to avoid a day-long grooming appointment? Um, one person was frustrated that it takes five to six hours for her dog to be at the groomer and was wondering, is there any way to make that more efficient? <laughs> and I'm, my guess is probably not. <laughs> I would say it depends on the dog. However, yes, if you can find a groomer that works one-on-one, that grooming appointment will most likely go from five to six hours, more so to two to three. But like I said, it depends on the dog. If that dog can't handle a blow dryer, then yes, they need to be there for, for that long. But with, uh, with a groomer that takes one-on-one, you're going to pay more of a premium because your dog is being worked on from start to finish Okay. versus having time in a kennel to dry or whatever. So Yeah, that makes sense. If one-on-one versus like having three or four dogs that are cycling through. I do all my dogs one-on-one, so they pay more. But their dog, like doodles, don't usually take me more than three hours. So it just depends on where you're going. 
Okay. And probably brushing and combing and keeping mats out. Definitely. (laughs) Love it. Yes. Any tips for brushing the paws? Um, One person says mine's great with their body, but don't touch my dog's paws. Yeah. There are some dogs that just have such a sensitivity towards their paws. I really just suggest the more often that you do it, the more your dog will get comfortable. And if your dog is food motivated, rewarding with treats, However, honestly, I have come across in my 10 years of grooming dogs that just won't get better with it. And that's okay. I think there are some aspects of you need to respect the fact that they don't like their paws touched and that's okay. However, I think just continuing to work on it, keeping them free of knots and tangles will help. Okay. Sounds good. And since we're on paws, what about nail trimming? Is that kind of the same answer as far as how to help dogs or how to, well, let me see. The question is really how to hold the dog's paws. What's the best way to kind of get it done without the struggle? The best way is to follow their range of motion. So again, if they're standing up on something, holding that dog's paw underneath them is more comfortable. I don't suggest holding it out front. I I don't ever trim dog's nails that way. Mm-hmm. Um, I always do underneath like the same range of motion they use as they run. Okay. But when it comes to nail trimming, the one thing I will always tell any dog owner, if you're not comfortable doing it, don't do it. Your dog knows that you're not comfortable. If you're not comfortable, take them to a professional. Most people take walk-in nail trims. It's usually 10 to 15 to 20, $25 for a nail trim. And I just think it's more of a sensitive area. It's easier to cut them, to quick their nails. So if you're not confident in it, don't ruin your dog's progress. Maybe at the groomers, if they've been working on getting your dog comfortable, don't ruin that at home by, by quicking all their nails and making them bleed and having it kind of a mess at home. I, I, if you're not confident in it, take, take it to a professional for nail trimming is my suggestion for that. But following their range of motion to hold their pads and having them stand up to do it is best. Okay. I really like using the Dremel. Um, Mm -hmm. I found that that's made me less nervous because I'm not going to get to the quick quickly and I'm not going to be cutting um, some big chunk off. So I don't, do you ever do Dremels in your business? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I definitely have a Dremel here and I would say I use it on about 50% of the dogs that I groom. Um, some dogs just do better when it comes to nail trimming with that continuous sound and motion of the Dremel. However, some of them just can't handle it and some do better with the clicking of the of the nail trimmers. So it just depends on the dog. I don't like to force a dog into nail dremeling or nail grinding if they're not comfortable with it. So that really just depends on the dog. I've had many clients try dremeling and their dog just won't let them and that's fine. But I really just think it's it's dog to dog. You can train your dog to get used to it by going on a low setting and then working up to a higher one. However, the Dremel takes longer than a, a regular nail clipper. So it just it just depends on your dog. And dremeling, if you're not going to clip the nails, you should be doing dremeling quite often, quite frequently. Yeah. Yeah. That was hard. That part was hard to keep up with because I couldn't do it all in one day or all in one setting. So one final question. The listener says, I like to keep my dog's hair longer, three to four inches, but scissor cutting is quite tedious. Is there any hope for using clippers or is it impossible because I like her hair long? As far as I know, and I, I know a lot of the products out there, I go to many trade shows and all over the US and Canada and the longest clipper comb, so those attachments that we put on the clipper 
the longest one I've ever seen is two inches long. So, you know, that would leave your dog's coat around the two inch mark. So if you're wanting something longer than two inches, which is like I said, as far as I know, the longest clipper comb you can get, um, it will require a hand scissoring, which is far more expensive. It's, it's a lot harder on your groomer. I do quite a few doodles in a hand scissor and it's, it's expensive. It's like she said, tedious. If you're wanting your dog's hair around three to four inches, it will just require a hand scissor until maybe one day they will have a longer clipper comb. But like even that two inch clip comb that we get is so bulky and so heavy on the clipper mm -hmm. that I, I don't, know if I can see a longer clip comb come out that we could just take over your whole dog to keep them on that three to four inches of hair. What was that that old like fur not furminator it was like a vacuum that could cut yeah so hair. a clipper vac yeah. yeah seems like that would be the <laughs> a lot of groomers have used it the thing with a clipper vac it takes your dog's hair shorter so oh. um if i put a two inch clip comb on my clipper and then put a clipper vac it sucks the hair up so it actually trims your dog's hair to exactly two inches whereas mm -hmm. if your dog's hair was laying flat on the dog and you took that two inch clip comb it might do it to two and a half inches mm -hmm. Yeah, so yeah. a clipper back actually takes the dog's hair a lot shorter than without a clipper back. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. When I think of like um, using clippers to get to three or four inches, I imagine like a topiary, like when a poodle is completely fluffed out, right? All the way, hair is standing straight and kind of just skimming <laughs> and hoping you're you're getting the right length. Yeah, yeah. And honestly, if you're if you're wanting your your doodle to be around three or four inches, your best bet is a is a hand scissor. Yeah. As tedious and and expensive as it is, that's what it costs to maintain that length. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Brianna, for being here. I think that listeners will have learned a lot, especially if they're not used to learning about this stuff. I will link to your IG and your grooming website. Cool. And, and if you have anything else, any kind of articles or suggestions for us to link to, just email those to me later. Okay. Yeah, that, that would be great. Well, I, I do hope that people have learned a lot. And I think the bottom line, the, the best thing you can do with your groomer is to be open, honest, communicate with what you're wanting from them um, and in ways that they can help you achieve that. Yeah, I think that at the end of the day, it's just all about communication between you and your groomer. Yeah, awesome. Thank you so much for being here. No problem. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Doodle Kisses podcast. If you have any ideas or recommendations for future topics or guests, send me an email at admin at doodlekisses.com. That's A-D-M-I-N at doodlekisses.com. Also subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Pocket Casts, Stitcher, or however you get your podcasts so you can have every episode ready to listen to as soon as it comes out. The show notes will link you to our GoFundMe page, as well as links to some of the things we discussed in today's episode. Talk to you next time on the next episode of the Doodle Kisses podcast.